Chapter Eleven, Part One of *The Crock of Gold* by James Stevens. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read for you by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Chapter Eleven. She does not deserve to be rescued, said the philosopher. But I will rescue her, indeed. He thought a moment later. She does not want to be rescued, and therefore I will rescue her as he went down the road her shapely figure floated before his eyes as beautiful and simple as an old statue he wagged his head angrily at the apparition but it would not go away he tried to concentrate his mind on a deep philosophical maxim but her disturbing image came between him and his thought blotting out the latter so completely that a moment after he had stated his aphorism he could not remember what it had been such a condition of mind was so unusual that it bewildered him is a mind then so unstable said he that a mere figure an animated geometrical arrangement can shake it from its foundations the idea horrified him he saw civilization building its temples over a volcano a puff said he and it is gone beneath all is chaos and red anarchy over all a devouring and insistent appetite our eyes tell us what to think about and our wisdom is no more than a catalogue of sensual stimuli hmm. he would have been in a state of deep dejection were it not that through his perturbation there bubbled a stream of such amazing well-being as he had not felt since childhood years had toppled from his shoulders he left one pound of solid matter behind at every stride his very skin grew flexious and he found a pleasure in taking long steps such as he could not have accounted for by thought indeed thought was the one thing he felt unequal to and it was not precisely that he could not think but that he did not want to all the importance and authority of his mind seemed to have faded away and the activity which had once belonged to that organ was now transferred to his eyes he saw amazedly the sunshine bathing the hills and the valleys a bird in the hedge held him beak head eyes legs and the wings that tapered widely at angles to the wind for the first time in his life he really saw a bird and one minute after it had flown away he could have reproduced its strident note with every step along the curving road the landscape was changing he saw and noted it almost in an ecstasy a sharp hill jutted out into the road it dissolved into a sloping meadow rolled down into a valley and then climbed easily and peacefully into a hill again on this side a clump of trees nodded together in their friendliest fashion yonder a solitary tree well grown and clean was contented with its own bright company a bush crouched tightly on the ground as though at a word it would scamper from its place and chase rabbits across the sward with shouts and laughter great spaces of sunshine were everywhere and everywhere there were deep wells of shadow and the one did not seem more beautiful than the other that sunshine oh the glory of it the goodness and bravery of it how broadly and grandly it shone without stint without care he saw its measureless generosity and gloried in it as though himself had been the flinger of that largesse and was he not 
did the sunshine not stream from his head and life from his fingertips surely the well-being that was in him did bubble out to an activity beyond the universe but oh the petty thing but motion emotion these were the realities to feel to do to stride forward in elation chanting a paean of triumphant life after a time he felt hungry and thrusting his hand into his wallet he broke off a piece of one of his cakes and looked about for a place where he might happily eat it by the side of the road there was a well just a little corner filled with water over it was a rough stone copping and around hugging it on three sides almost from sight were thick quiet bushes he would not have noticed the well at all but for a thin stream the breadth of two hands which tiptoed away from it through a field by this well he sat down and scooped the water in his hand and it tasted good he was eating his cake when a sound touched his ear from some distance and shortly a woman came down the path carrying a vessel in her hand to draw water she was a big comely woman and she walked as one who had no misfortunes and no misgivings when she saw the philosopher sitting by the well she halted a moment in surprise and then came forward with a good-humoured smile good morrow to you sir said she good morrow to you ma'am replied the philosopher sit down beside me here and eat some of my cake why wouldn't i indeed said the woman and she did sit beside him the philosopher cracked a large piece off his cake and gave it to her and she ate some there's a taste on that cake she said who made it my wife did he replied well now she said looking at him do you know you don't look a bit like a married man no said the philosopher not a bit a married man looks comfortable and settled he looks finished if you understand me and a bachelor looks unsettled and funny and he always wants to be running around seeing things i'd know a married man from a bachelor any day how would you know that said the philosopher easily said she with a nod it's the way they look at a woman a married man looks at you quietly as if he knew all about you there isn't any strangeness about him with a woman at all but a bachelor man looks at you very sharp and looks away and then looks back again the way you'd know he was thinking about you and didn't know what you were thinking about him and so they are always strange and that's why women like them why said the philosopher astonished do women like bachelors better than married men of course they do she replied heartily they wouldn't look at the side of the road a married man was on if there was a bachelor man on the other side this said the philosopher earnestly is very interesting and the queer thing is she continued that when i came up the road and saw you i said to myself it's a bachelor man how long have you been married now i don't know said the philosopher maybe it's ten years and how many children would you have mister two he replied and then corrected himself no i have only one is the other one dead i never had more than one ten years married and only one child said she why man dear you're not a married man what were you doing at all at all i wouldn't like to be telling you the children i have living and dead 
but what i say is that married or not you're a bachelor man i knew it the minute i looked at you what sort of a woman is herself she's a thin sort of woman cried the philosopher biting into his cake is she now and the philosopher continued the reason i talked to you is because you are a fat woman i am not fat was her angry response you are fat insisted the philosopher and that's the reason i like you oh if you mean it that way she chuckled i think he continued looking at her admiringly that women ought to be fat tell you the truth she said eagerly i think that myself i never met a thin woman but she was a sour one and i never met a fat man but he was a fool fat women and thin men it's nature said she it is said he and he leaned forward and kissed her eye oh you villain said the woman putting out her hands against him the philosopher drew back abashed forgive me he began if i have alarmed your virtue it's the married man's word she said rising hastily now i know you but there's a lot of bachelor in you all the same god help you i'm going home and so saying she dipped her vessel in the well and turned away maybe said the philosopher i ought to wait until your husband comes home and, and ask his forgiveness for the wrong i've done him the woman turned round on him and each of her eyes was as big as a plate what did you say said she follow me if you dare and i'll set the dogs on you i will so and she strode viciously homewards after a moment's hesitation the philosopher took his own path across the hill the day was now well advanced and as he trudged forward the happy quietude of his surroundings stole into his heart again and so toned down his recollections of the fat woman that in a little time she was no more than a pleasant and curious memory his mind was exercised superficially not in thinking but in wondering how it was that he had come to kiss a strange woman he said to himself that such conduct was not right but this statement was no more than the automatic working of a mind long exercised in the distinctions of right and wrong for almost in the same breath he assured himself that what he had done did not matter in the least his opinions were undergoing a curious change right and wrong were meeting and blending together so closely that it became difficult to dissever them and the obloquy attaching to the one seemed out of proportion altogether to its importance while the other by no means justified the eulogy wherewith it was connected was there any immediate or even distant effect on life caused by evil which was not instantly swung into equipoise by goodness but these slender reflections troubled him only for a little time he had little desire for any introspective quarryings to feel so well was sufficient in itself why should thought be so apparent to us so insistent we do not know we have digestive or circulatory organs until these go out of order and then the knowledge torments us should not the labors of a healthy brain be equally subterranean and equally competent why have we to think aloud and travel laboriously from syllogism to ergo wary of our conclusions and distrustful of our premises thought as we know it is a disease and no more 
the healthy mentality should register its convictions and not its labors our ears should not hear the clamor of its doubts nor be forced to listen to the pro and con wherewith we are eternally badgered and perplexed the road was winding like a ribbon in and out of the mountains on either side there were hedges and bushes little stiff trees which held their foliage in their hands and dared the wind snatch a leaf from that grip the hills were swelling and sinking folding and soaring on every view now the silence was startled by the falling tinkle of a stream far away a cow lowed a long deep monotone or a goat's call trembled from nowhere to nowhere but mostly there was a silence which buzzed with a multitude of small winged life going up the hills the philosopher bent forward to the gradient stamping vigorously as he trod almost snorting like a bull in the pride of successful energy coming down the slope he braced back and let his legs loose to do as they pleased didn't they know their business good luck to them and away as he walked along he saw an old woman hobbling in front of him she was leaning on a stick and her hand was red and swollen with rheumatism she hobbled by reason of the fact that there were stones in her shapeless boots she was draped in the sorriest miscellaneous rags that could be imagined and these were knotted together so intricately that her clothing having once been attached to her body could never again be detached from it as she walked she was mumbling and grumbling to herself so that her mouth moved round and round in an india-rubber fashion the philosopher soon caught up on her good morrow ma'am said he but she did not hear him she seemed to be listening to the pain which the stones in her boots gave her good morrow ma'am said the philosopher again this time she heard him and replied turning her old bleared eyes slowly in his direction good morrow to yourself sir said she and the philosopher thought her old face was a very kindly one what is it that is wrong with you ma'am said he it's my boots sir she replied full of stones they are the way i can't hardly walk at all god help me why don't you shake them out ah sure i couldn't be bothered sir for there are so many holes in the boots that more would get in before i could take two steps and an old woman can't be always fidgeting god help her there was a little house on one side of the road and when the old woman saw this place she brightened up a little do you know who lives in that house said the philosopher i do not she replied but it's a real nice house with clean windows and a shiny knocker on the door and smoke in the chimney i wonder would herself give me a cup of tea now if i asked her the poor old woman walking the roads on a stick and maybe a bit of meat or an egg perhaps you could ask suggested the philosopher gently maybe i will too said she and she sat down by the road just outside the house and the philosopher also sat down a little puppy dog came from behind the house and approached them cautiously its intentions were friendly but it had already found that amicable advances are sometimes indifferently received for as it drew near it wagged its dubious tail and rolled humbly on the ground but very soon the dog discovered that here there was no evil for it trotted over to the old woman and without any more preparation jumped into her lap 
the old woman grinned at the dog ah you thing you said she and she gave it her finger to bite the delighted puppy chewed her bony finger and then instituted a mimic warfare against a piece of rag that fluttered from her breast barking and growling in joyous excitement while the old woman fondled and hugged it the door of the house opposite opened quickly and a woman with a frost-bitten face came out leave that dog down said she the old woman grinned humbly at her sure ma'am i wouldn't hurt the little dog the thing put down that dog said the woman and go about your business the likes of you ought to be arrested a man in shirt-sleeves appeared behind her and at him the old woman grinned even more humbly let me sit here for a while and play with the dog sir said she sure the roads do be lonesome the man stalked close and grabbed the dog by the scruff of the neck it hung between his finger and thumb with its tail tucked between its legs and its eyes screwed round on one side in amazement be off with you out of that you old strap said the man in a terrible voice so the old woman rose painfully to her feet again and as she hobbled along the dusty road she began to cry the philosopher also arose he was very indignant but did not know what to do a singular lassitude also prevented him from interfering as they paced along his companion began mumbling more to herself than to him ah god be with me said she an old woman on a stick that hasn't a place in the wide world to go to or a neighbor itself i wish i could get a cup of tea so i do i wish to god i could get a cup of tea me sitting down in my own little house with a white tablecloth on the table and the butter in the dish and the strong red tea in the teacup and me pouring cream into it and maybe telling the children not to be wasting the sugar and things and himself saying he'd got to mow the big field today or that the red cow was going to calve the poor thing and that if the boys went to school who was going to weed the turnips and me sitting drinking my strong cup of tea and telling him where that old traipsing hen was laying oh god be with me an old creature hobbling along the roads on a stick i wish i was a young girl again so i do and himself coming courting me and him saying that i was a real nice little girl surely and that nothing would make him happy or easy at all but me to be loving him ah oh, the kind man that he was to be sure the kind decent man and sorka riley to be trying to get him from me and kate finnegan with her bold eyes looking after him in the chapel and him to be saying that along with me they were only a pair of old nanny goats and then me to be getting married and going home to my own little house with my man ah god be with me and him kissing me and laughing and frightening me with his goings-on ah the kind man with his soft eyes and his nice voice and his jokes and laughing and him thinking the world and all of me i indeed 
and the neighbors to be coming in and sitting round the fire in the night-time putting the world through each other and talking about france and russia and them other queer places and him holding up the discourse like a learned man and them all listening to him and nodding their heads at each other and wondering at his education and all or maybe the neighbors to be singing or him making me sing the coulon and him to be proud of me and then him to be killed on me with a cold in his chest ah oh, then god be with me a lone old creature on a stick and the sun shining into her eyes and she thirsty i wish i had a cup of tea so i do i wish to god i had a cup of tea and a bit of meat or maybe an egg a nice fresh egg laid by the speckled hen that used to be giving me all the trouble <laughs> the thing sixteen hens i had and they were the ones for laying surely it's a queer world so it is a queer world and the things that do happen for no reason at all ah god be with me i wish there weren't stones in my boots so i do and i wish to god i had a cup of tea and a fresh egg ah glory be my old legs are getting tireder every day so they are wish ya one time when himself was in it i could go about the house all day long cleaning the place and feeding the pigs and the hens and all and then dance half the night so i could and himself proud of me end of chapter eleven part one